Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. I started a, a three-part teaching, and this is the second part of that teaching. And I've been teaching about the presence of God. I spoke about it in the Windsor Camp meeting. And I'm going to do a second part of it, and I'll do a final part of this teaching in the Lagos camp meeting. You know, one thing I learned from listening to other people when it comes to them preaching about the presence of God, backed up by my personal study, is that when we talk about the presence of God, it is context-specific. Did you hear what I said? It is what? And what does it mean for it to be context-specific? It means we must understand the word with respect to the context. Amen. When it comes to the Bible, we don't understand words based on dictionary definition. We understand words based on context and usage. Are you listening to me? For example, the word holy. When you look at the dictionary definition of the, of the word holy, it refers to moral uprightness. But when you look at the word holy in context, the Bible says that Moses went to a place and he heard a voice from a burning bush that said, take off your sandals for you are on holy ground. What did that ground do to be holy? Could it be morally righteous? No. Meaning now our understanding of holiness cannot just be from the dictionary. Does that you get what I'm saying? The second time the word holy was used in the Bible, it was used for a day. The Bible called a day a holy convocation. Those two things were holy. Not because they could do anything morally, but simply because God was there. Are you listening to me? So there's a context of holiness in the Bible that is not about what you can do, but about the fact that God lives in you. Are you listening to me? That's a simple example. The same goes for the word presence. It is context specific, meaning based on the usage, we can understand how to interpret that word. We can know how to understand that word. Please, are you learning something? And when we talk about the presence of God, there are three major contexts that we see in the Bible. Number one, the omnipresence of God. Number two, the indwelling presence of God. And number three, the manifest presence of God. What did I call it? So what's number one? What's number two? What's number three? I do it extensively at Windsor on the indwelling presence of God. But today I want to start by focusing on the omnipresence of God. What does the omnipresence of God mean? Well, the prefix omni there originates from a Latin word that means all. Are you getting this? It means what? All. So to say that God is omnipresent is to say that God is everywhere. Are you getting this? He's what? Everywhere. It's a characteristic of God being present in all ranges of both time and space. He's in every place. Several people are calling on the name of God now and God is there. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's the omnipresence of God. He's everywhere. He can see all things. One good way to understand the omnipresence of God is that reputation a lot of us know. 
called Elroy. The God who sees. Meaning that he can see every single thing. Amen. Amen. He sees every single thing that is happening with us. You know that song? He's Elroy. The God who sees me. 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 Amen. Amen. He sees all. He hears all. He knows all. In Psalms chapter 139, verses 18 to 19, the Bible says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Do you see that? He's saying, God, you saw me when I was being made, even in my mother's womb. He says, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. He says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The day is fashioned for me. When as yet, there were none of them. Verse 17. It says, how precious also are your thoughts to me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Let's read Psalms 139, verse 7 to 10. You're just going to go up. Are you ready to read 7 to 10? All right, let's read together. One, two, go. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven... You are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall what? Hold me. So God sees everything. Where can I hide from your presence? He sees everything. Everywhere I turn, the psalmist says, you are there. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. Isaiah 57, 15. All right, let's read together. One, two, go. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in high and holy place with him who has contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of what he sees, the humble, the contrite. Psalms 33, verse 13. Psalms 33, verse 13. Okay, let's read together. One, two, go. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from the place of his dwelling. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their work. This is powerful. It brings us to consider something important. That the presence of God... Is everywhere. God sees everything, even the things we do in the secret and we think God does not see. He sees. He says he looks over all the inhabitants of the earth. He looks over them. And what this must bring your mind to see is that if the presence and oversight of God is everywhere in every situation, there is no good thing you do that God does not know about. What did I say? There is no good thing that you do 
that God does not know about. It also means that what? There is no bad thing you do that God does not know about. Think about that for a minute. God sees everything. This is his omnipresent nature. He sees all. He sees the good. He sees the bad. He sees every situation. So a message was delivered to a man of God. And his wife was laughing. You know the man of God I'm talking about. <laughs> and Sarah was laughing. I said, why did you laugh? She said, no, I did not laugh. He sees all. Are you get what I'm saying? I'm trying to teach you about the omnipresent nature of God. He sees all. Every single thing. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 3. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 3. All right, let's read together. One, two, go. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil. Are you seeing the point? He sees all. Jeremiah 23 verse 23. Jeremiah 23 and verse 23. All right, let's read together. I want to go. Am I God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel the heaven and the earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of deceit of their own. So, wow. Even down to ministry, he hears everything the prophet... Are you seeing what I'm saying? He sees all. He hears all. This must bring to our minds a level of accountability to God that we might not have considered before. That even though you think that the things that are secret are secret, God sees them. Are you getting something? Are you like, are you like what I'm teaching you? Even the things you think are hidden, God sees them. His all-seeing eyes see those things. He's everywhere and in everything. He says he feels the heaven and he feels the air. Please, are you learning something? Listen, a consciousness of the, of the omnipresence of God. And the indwelling presence, which I'm still going to explain today, I explained it before in the other meeting, it will change your life forever. Because, for example, when you know that God sees all that you do, you will learn honesty. Are you listening to me? You will learn what? Honesty. Ah, he sees all. You know, we're very excited. Hey, all right, the God who sees me when you want to receive something. Ah, but now you know. <laughs> That he sees even the evil. He sees the bad. He sees all those things you're struggling with. Look at David. Psalm 139 verse 23. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try, listen, this is a very bold prayer. <laughs> Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. So, what we begin to learn from a man like David is that he had something called a presence consciousness. That literally showed him to be a man of intimacy. Amen. What I want to teach you, we used to know it those days. But we became too Christocentric to emphasize it. There's nothing like too Christocentric anyways. But the point is, in our bid to remove error, we took away some things with it. And that's what I'm going to teach you today. How many of you remember when we used to learn about the secret place? Oh. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some five years ago, four years, that was the in thing. Secrets of the secret place. 
So what happened to that? Amen. What happened to that? I'm going to talk about it. Amen. Listen, we, we know far too well the manifest presence of God. Meaning the expression of that thing, you know, smoke, all the power and everything. We're conscious of it. Some of you, even if your Bible should drop on the floor, hey, 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 hey. You don't want to turn to goats. I don't know where you heard that. <laughs> you know, you are rushing. Oh my God, I don't want to do this. You say, Jesus, hey, I don't want to call the name of God in vain. Hey. Well, because you saw a reputation in the Old Testament, amen. But you are forgetting that <laughs> you are scared of the manifest presence. But there's something called the omnipresence. He sees all. Are you getting what I'm saying? He sees all. Every single thing he sees. You know that thing? You want to keep your consecration before ministration. Ah, I remember Babcock. I don't used to talk to anyone. Eh? Me. Talk to me before ministration in school. You're swelling like this. Like if you touch me, it has turned to sin. <laughs> you know? We, I, oh my God. I, <laughs> what of the other days? Is God not watching me? Please, are you seeing what I'm saying? This is important. On a day-to-day basis, we have to be conscious of the presence of God as well. Both living in us and even around us. Because I'm still going to talk about the indwelling presence. Because are you learning something? The Bible talks about a set of people who continue to hear and then they speak with their mouths, but their hearts are far from him. He sees those things. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He sees those things. You can say with your mouth. You know, I told you that the song they sang, <laughs> it literally covers everything I want to teach you. You can say with your mouth, but if it's not the same as your heart, God sees. I, what I'm teaching is going to change your devotion forever. He sees. So <laughs> we will need to stop acting. Amen. Amen. We will need to what? We will need to stop acting. If you need help, we will need to seek help and not act. Because there's a danger with acting. There's a good side of it. It's not acting. There's something, you know, people call fake it till you make it. Meaning continue to do it until it becomes your reality. But there's a danger to it as well. Because every time you pretend, (laughs) you're making it harder. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because what you are doing in those times is that you are making, you are, you are displaying to the public a level of, ah, when it's not your reality. And what you are doing is also searing your conscience. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So it's terrible because the lie can become sweeter than the truth. Are you learning something? You can get so, con- because it's harder to build a prayer out of back than to lie and pretend. So you are a man of God. When you enter a room, so sad. <laughs> Amen. But I want to teach you about it's about the heart. And it's about presence consciousness. God sees. God sees. He's Elroy in everything. <laughs> Both in blessing me and also in seeing my weaknesses. God sees. The heart is important. There's a connection between the omnipresent nature of God and the heart. Because God doesn't only see the face, He sees the heart. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The way God describes seeing us many times is not necessarily action. He sees the heart. Look at First Samuel. The Bible tells us First Samuel 16. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. 
Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came, he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. He says, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Are you listening to me? God does what? Looks at the heart. If I were to title this sermon any other thing than what it is called, it would be secret of the secret place. Listen, I'm telling you, <laughs> I don't like calling it in secret, but that's the name we used to call it then. You need to learn the things I'm teaching you. A consciousness that God sees all. Amen. Before I go to the other things I want to teach, I want to emphasize this. I want to put it in your heart. God sees all. Just that, just that consciousness would make you genuine in many things. God sees all. Say, God sees all. Say, God sees all. Say, he sees me and everything I do. Say, he sees me and everything I do. Hallelujah. Look at the lives of the men who are the relationship with God. One thing would always stand out, the heart. Check. Listen. When I studied the Old Testament at some point, I came to one conclusion. God specializes in turning little men into mighty men in him. Yeah. When I look at their lives, I'm like, ah, you too. God is working with you. And I realized something. These are people that God could see beyond everything into their hearts. He said, I know Abraham. He will come. Ah! That's not knowing because of life. You can't know... God saying he knows Abraham is not a thing of action or drama. It's because God sees his heart. I know him. He will command his children after him. So, God loved you so much. He wanted to destroy your city. He came to tell you. You, you are not saying, God, if I find one person, if you find one person, will you destroy? I'm like, wow. Look at all of them. Look at David. All right. It's a lot to learn from that man. A lot. Hallelujah. Please, are you following me? Are you learning something? In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, the Bible tells us about Jesus. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowfully and deeply distressed. Then he came and said to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. So think about this. Jesus was sorrowful. And he went, got to the place he needed to pray, fell to his face. Some of you, if someone should do that in front of you, say, hey, say your own is too much now. Why are you doing this? Are you listening to me? Because we are getting very comfortable with acting than the reality. We are getting comfortable with just having our sleeves open without putting our hearts there. Listen, you have to be able to let your heart and your mouth say the same thing. Are you listening to me? Let your heart and your mouth say the same thing. Let your heart and your actions say the same thing. So if you're in a meeting, someone is expressing himself with everything he has. And you don't feel like that. Well, leave the person and work on your own heart. Are you listening to me? Walk on your heart. Walk on your heart. This is important. Walk on what? Your heart. 
Jesus moved to the, front, to the to, you know, he moved forward. He fell to his face. People know that what's disturbing this man is plenty. He needs to pray. Are you listening to me? This is important. So the heart is important. You know, these are expressions that are rare today. Very rare. How to say some things, but I don't know how to say them. <laughs> very rare. I'm thinking of how to say <laughs> But very rare. In a time where people hardly are able to express themselves to God fully. And then the ones who even have the expressions are doing theatrics to win people over. That's why I'll stop. Amen? That's why I'll stop. <laughs> Glory to God. Please, are you learning something? The heart is the first thing that must be affected. When it comes to presence consciousness, your heart is the first. Because you know, you serve a God who doesn't just see the face. He sees the heart. Don't act. Get it right! What did I say? Don't act. Get it right. Knowledge of the presence of God is, in a way, is the first key to proper accountability and a consistent work with God. If you can learn these two things, that God sees me, and because he sees me, he sees my heart. There's going to be a different level of accountability you have to God. Are you getting what I'm saying? A different level of accountability. There's a way that, ah, you can't just walk out of your house and not pray. We feel very left alone many times. That's why we can do some things. We don't believe that God sees us. We know it in principle, but we don't think about it. We are not conscious of it. If you are conscious of it, because the reason why you are scared of Bible falling down is because you are like, ah, 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 God's sacred material. Are you seeing what I'm saying? You are conscious of that, but you are not conscious of the fact that he sees everything. So you learn this, you are stepping out of your, even if you forgot, on the judgment, hey, God, <laughs> you know what, I'm sorry. Let's do this inside the bus. You start praying in the bus. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's what presence consciousness can do for you. So number one, by the omnipresent nature of God, I know that God sees me. Can you write that down? By the what? Omnipresent nature of God, I know that God sees me. That's the first point this night. God sees you. Oh, God sees you. When you, when you ponder on what I'm, what I'm teaching you, some things you cannot do. When you ponder on what, what I'm teaching you, even, even when you make mistakes, you are not just going to continue them because you realize that ah, God sees me. He sees. He knows this. The beautiful part of it as well is that even when you are struggling, God sees you. This also takes away condemnation. Because you know that God sees your efforts. He sees your heart. God sees. Listen, I'm not preaching a message of condemnation. I'm helping you to have a presence consciousness that keeps you accountable. God sees you. Say, God sees me. Hallelujah. The second point I want to make this evening has everything to do with the indwelling present. I've not touched manifest at all, Abby. In Windsor, I touch indwelling and omnipresent. Here, I'm touching indwelling and omnipresent. Lagos. Agbara. <laughs> All right. So, I want to talk a bit about the indwelling presence. You see, many of us don't realize what we received when we received the Spirit of God. 
the sole purpose of the existence of man is to serve God, to do his will, for all things to be to the glory of God. For all things to be what? To the glory of God. It comes with simple obedience and consecration to God. Can I tell you something? This was never a struggle for man. Please, are you listening to me? Before the fall, it was never a struggle. It was easy. The moment you find an issue with effortless worship, the moment you begin to struggle with consecration and service to God, it's a symptom of the fall. Even though you're not a fallen man anymore, it's a symptom of the flesh. Please, are you seeing what I'm saying? It's not who you are. So, when you see people in the world do those things, it's a symptom of the fall. It's what the fall brought. Listen, when the devil asked them to eat that fruit, it was an alien idea in the garden. It's not something they had ever considered. Why would we go against the word of God? This idea was alien because everything we know we are born to do is service to God. It's to the glory of God. It was alien. And so when the fall came, it brought that, that, that idea of a type of deference. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And it continued. Please, are you following me? Are you learning something? Fellowship, communion with God, those things were there at the beginning. So when you find, you, when you find it hard to pray, to devote yourself to the things of God, it becomes unpleasant, unbearable. Well, that's a sign of the, of the old man. Amen. You need to remember who you are. Are you learning something? Fellowship, communion, all these things. They are basic to who we are in, in, in God. The way, what we were created to be originally. It's never supposed to be hard. Are you listening to me? It wasn't ever supposed to be hard. But the fall was what made service frustrating. What made it discouraging. What made it painful as it were. The fall put in a, mechanic, a, a, a mechanism in us that started to point people to sin. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So there was more of a pull to the lust of the flesh than what should have been a pull to the God that created us. Please, are you listening to me? Listen, the reason why I'm doing this is because to understand many concepts, we have to start from the old. I don't have time to take you through the process today. But I'm just using that same principle. Are you listening to me? All right. Man began to struggle. And we all know the story. You know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? You know the story of Noah and the people in it? So, we, we started to see great evil. Started to see men. And even around you, you see this. People tending to sin. But I want to remind you that service to God was never a struggle for us in the first place. It's a fall that made it that way. So, but in the midst of the chaos... We began to see men. Men who had a taste again of what it meant to abide in the presence of God. Amen. Listen, man was created to function best in the presence. Are you listening to me? To function best where? In the presence. But then we started to see men in the Old Testament. Men who started to have a taste of the presence. Men like David. And we began to see how they described the presence. What they had was different. What they had is what we call the spirit upon. Nobody in the Old Testament had the spirits weaving. Please, are you listening to me? Who is confused? Clear to everybody. You know what I'm talking about? Thumbs up? Great. So, they had the spirit upon. 
But even though they had the spirit of upon, they had a taste of the presence. Even though it was something that would come and go, or that was relegated to specific people for specific assignments, at least they had the taste of the presence. Are you seeing what I'm saying? They had a taste. Prophets, priests, kings, they had a taste. Saul was anointed in the company of prophets. He prophesied. He's getting a taste. Wow. So there's something about the presence. There's something here that I can take access to. Wow. This is different. This, I get what I'm saying. So people like David began to write specific things. Like David talking in Psalms chapter 21 and verse 6. He says that, for you have made him most blessed forever. You've made him exceedingly glad with your presence. They started to associate the presence of God with something that will make them glad. Are you getting what I'm saying? Remember, the fall caused the separation from God. So man... Didn't have that presence. Listen, this is not the omnipresence that I'm talking about. The omnipresence is everywhere. I'm talking about the indwelling presence. They didn't have it. All they had was the spirit upon that allowed them to have a taste of it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now hear the way they started to describe it. Ah, they saw the presence as something to make one glad. Hey, that's different. Common metaphors that were used to refer to the presence of God was the face of God. You know, they tried to attribute a physical human image to God. So, the face of God signified what God sees, what he oversees. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, they were talking about not just the omnipresence, they were talking about the presence of God manifesting in a locality. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, they were like, ah, this brings gladness to us. I'm sure some of them had a taste of it and they were like, God, what is this? How are we missing this? Listen, I'll read more Psalms to you so you can see what I'm talking about. Psalm 16 verse 11. It says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Wow. They're associating now the presence of God with pleasures forevermore. With gladness, fullness of joy. Psalm 63, verse 1. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Aye. So, he cannot long for something that he doesn't know how it feels. He must have had a taste. And he says, my soul. Well, why will his soul long? Well, the spirit was not, up, was not within him. It was upon Please, are you getting what I'm saying? He says, my soul longs for you. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for, I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory because your loving kindness is better than life. Ah! Are you guys listening to what he's saying? Someone said, your loving kindness is better than life. It means that there's nothing on this earth that can compare. Aye. Amen. Nothing in this earth can compare. This is powerful. What is it about the presence that is making this guy desire it this way? What is it about the presence that's making someone say, it's almost like saying, nothing in my life is as interesting as this. I want this. I want this. There must be something about the presence that is making them 
respond like this. It must be something rich. Amen. It must be something rich. It must be something making the man same. I can imagine. Imagine he was living in Lagos. <laughs> he would seek the presence every Lord, please. There must be something about the presence that, that was different, that felt different. Making men pray and desire this way. Psalms 27 verse 4. Please, are you learning something? Psalm 27 verse 4. All right, let's read together. I want to go. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Wow! So, because he had the spirit upon, he said, see this thing, I want it every day. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. What was common with the house of the Lord at the time? Well, the presence of God. And you see what I'm saying? I want it every day. I want it so that I can seek it. I can inquire. Are you learning this? I'm going somewhere. He said, ah, I want it. Surely there is something David knew about the presence that, he, that made him want it so much and desire it so much. There must, there must be something. There must be something he experienced. He wanted more. He said, I, I want to be here every day of my life. Same person said, surely. Ah, goodness and mercy shall what? Follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord what? Forever. This guy is like, ah, I will, this presence of God, I want it. And there's a reason I'm emphasizing it. I want it. I want it. He says, I will dwell there. Being in God's presence meant everything to David. This is so emphatic. Everywhere. He's saying the same thing. I want it. <laughs> I want it. It meant everything to him. He shared such a close relationship with God. I'm sure he was picturing, ah, how can I have a permanent residence in this, in this place? Amen. How can I just be here and just live here and just spend all my time here? He wanted it that bad. And to dwell means to inhabit. He wanted to live there. He wanted to remain there. And I'm going to teach you something. Because by the time I show you what I want to show you, you begin to see that the presence is the believer's true home. But I'm not going to rush. Amen. I'm not going to what? Rush. Please, are you learning? Psalms 42 verse 1. Alright, let's read together. One, two, go. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food. Wow, it was that serious. <laughs> Someone said, Omo. <laughs> it was that serious. It was that serious. Psalms 84 verse 1. Psalms 84 1. Are you all there? Let's read together. One to go. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, 
my king and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Selah. Wow. Please, who is seeing what I'm trying to communicate? I've not put all these texts here for you to be reading. I put them here for you to understand how much David longed for it. He compared, he, he compared himself to, he said, even a sparrow has found a home. I want to find a home in your presence. Hi. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me read one more. Psalm 65 verse 4. <laughs> All right. Let's read Psalm 65 verse 4 together. If you're there, read with me. One, two, go. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your court. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. So they believed and they had accepted that the temple of God had goodness. What was in the temple of God? The presence of God. Because are you seeing what I'm saying? Hi. This was how they thought about the presence of God. That's why the Bible can say that. That's why we can even think of David as a man after God's heart. He was a man after the presence of God. What he tasted, he wanted more of. Amen. And you are saying that he almost looks like this man did not feel like he could function properly outside. He's like, I want to be in. I want to be there. Hide me there. Keep me there, Lord. Amen. Amen. But your reality is different. <laughs> what did I say? There's good news. Because David hoped to dwell in the presence. He said, surely God's goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. But that's not about you. I thought about the temple of God in the Windsor meeting. How many of you remember? And so your testimony is not that you are saying, surely God's goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell. No. Your testimony is, surely God's goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I am the house of the Lord. Because unlike him who had the spirit upon, you have the spirit within God's spirit has made you God's temple. You are God's house. Amen. Amen. So listen, he was looking for a place to hide in. God came to live in you. Are, are you listening to what I'm saying? So, hi. He was looking for a forever experience. What David longed for, you have in abundance. Are you listening to me? You have in what? Hey. <laughs> are you learning? He had what? In abundance. David's reality is not your reality. Your reality is different. How did it happen? The moment the Holy Ghost came to live in you, you became God's dwelling place. And becoming God's dwelling place has made you a courier of God's presence. Everywhere you go, the presence of God is there. Amen. I'm not just talking about the omnipresence. I'm talking about the indwelling presence now that God resides in this locality because I'm here. Are you listening to me? If they did not have it here before, the moment I stepped in, the presence of God is there. Are you learning something? The presence of God is what? Is there. And the best part of it is that all those benefits that David spoke about are still available. They're still available. And it can be found in the presence. And that's what I want to teach you. Presence, consciousness, 
everything David wished for, you have. And you can take advantage of. The only problem is ignorance. That's the only problem. You have. And you can't take advantage of. For the new creation, an opportunity now presents itself. It's different from what they had. What you have is different. You, can, you, you cannot look for it and not find it. The problem is that, are you actually conscious of it? Are you listening to me? Because you've got it in you. What mankind lost at the fall was restored at salvation. And that's that access to the presence every day, at every moment. Amen. That separation between God and man has been taken away from, for the believer. I listen to what I'm saying. So, the way you are assured that it has been taken away is that God lives in you. So, every time you need to access God is available on the spot. At every time, at every... Amen? Amen. Available at every moment. The presence of God. Are you listening to me? The communion which we're supposed to have with God at the time that was later relegated to some people, well, is available to every believer now. And it can happen at any moment. Are you listening to me? That's the difference. I want to say something again. I will say it. That's the difference between you and other faiths. I think you know what I would say. Some of you are laughing already. That's the difference between you and other faiths. Think about it. You are walking, you are doing other things, and you can be praying. Are you seeing what I'm saying? You can access the prayer. It's now sort of mobile in a way. Everywhere I go, I can. It, does, it doesn't matter. I can. Listen, for reverence sake, we try to have a secluded place. Are you seeing what I'm saying? For focus and consecration, on concentration. But it doesn't mean we can't do it mobile. We can walk and be praying. And access that. Every riches that David spoke about is available on the go. On the go. Are you listening to what I'm saying? On the go. You feel weak. And someone described the presence of God as a place of lasting satisfaction. And you still feel weak. Ah, it's ignorance that's the problem. You don't know how to access what you have. Are you getting what I'm saying? This, this is a very simple teaching, but it will change your life. We forget too easily. It will change your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so the emphasis of my second point is this. By the indwelling presence of God, I have treasures untold. Ah, did you hear what I said? By the indwelling presence of God, I have what? Treasures untold. I have treasures untold. <laughs> I have treasures. Time is fast, Ben. I'm speeding up so that I will not say I did not finish my teaching. <laughs> I have treasures. Finally, I want to reintroduce you to the concept of the secret place. And I've given you two prerequisites. What's the first point? By the omnipresent nature of God, I know that what? God sees me. What's the second point, everybody? I have treasures untold. Now, even though you have treasures untold. And this is me reintroducing you now to that concept of the secret place. Even though you have the presence of God in that locality of your, of your body by the spirit, you have all that David dreamt about living in you. You have the spirit within 
and not just upon. And you can actually take from within and put upon. So you sort of have access to both in a way. But it would not mean anything if you can't access it and the riches it brings. Are you listening to me? You have the presence. is living in you. But if you cannot access it, it will not mean anything. You know, I was teaching in Windsor. I told them something. I said, same ark of covenant that a man touched died. It was put in a temple. The cloud filled the place. Then, they now, they now even taught us in the Bible now that God was not even living there. Then I said, God came to live in you. Do you know what you have? I'm not teaching on authority today or power. So, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? The only problem is, can you access it? Can you? David said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul longs for you. So, the indwelling, you know, of the spirit in us does not, <laughs> and to pay attention here, what I want to say, you have to pay attention to understand it. A lot of us thought that because the spirit now lives in us, our soul stops panting. Are you getting what I'm saying? The difference between you and David is that David was searching and he couldn't find you. It's available in you. It sort of became a well in you. You are still panting for it, but you are not looking outside. You are not looking externally. You are looking internally. Are you listening to what I'm saying? We need to learn this. That's how to engage. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's how to engage. So, <laughs> listen, and I, I'm careful. Because we corrected many songs. My soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for you. And listen, it's good because you have to know the foundation of it. That you have found all you're searching for in Christ, in salvation. When you received the Spirit, you received all those things. But now there is a context of you taking from that wellspring. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because, oh my God, ah, my soul is still... That's what we sang. I will never lose my wonder. The fact that I've got the Holy Ghost doesn't mean I don't know that it is fresh every morning. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So every time I engage the presence, every time I engage the spirit, it's fresh. Every time we come to pray, it's a time of refreshing. It's like the morning dew. If you, hey, amen. amen. The, least, the reason why I'm doing this is because I caught a correction while I was studying. And I'm just like, you know what? We don't emphasize enough that ability to spend time praying and staring up what you've received. Amen. We will not lose our wonder. We would always know that every time we pray is a time. Of, that's why you come for a meeting and not expect to be refreshed because you've not learned what I'm telling you. That's why you will pray in the morning and not expect to be refreshed because you've not learned what I'm telling you. It's not just about the words. It's about knowing that there's a reservoir in you. So everything David was wishing for is available to you, but it's not automatic. Did you hear what I said? It's available to you, but it's not automatic. It's not automatic. It's easier to access now, yes. It's not going anywhere, yes. You have it is in you, yes. But there's something you must do. Please, are you learning something? This is where consciousness comes in. You have a rich heaven of all God can do in you. But you need to access it. 
And that is where that concept, listen, it's not a concept from study. It's not a concept that is necessarily defined in scripture. Actually, when the Bible talks about secret place, it talks about a place of, of safety. But in the way that we understand secret place, especially in, you know, in, how do I describe us now? <laughs> in, I'm looking for the right word to call our age. In our age. God bless you, man. <laughs> in our age. And the way it was introduced to us, it is a true concept in scripture. It might not just be called secret place in scripture. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a true concept where you need to pray. The Bible tells you to close your door and retreat to a place. You know why? Because there are some things that no other person around you can do in you except God. Are you listening to me? And that's what the presence of God does for you. So yes, you have it, but have you learned to access it? Have you learned how to take advantage of this in your devotion? Remember, I'm teaching you devotion through the presence. The second topic is what? Secret of the secret place. Amen? Amen. So, listen. A consciousness has to be there. That I have the presence of God. This is where I find pleasure and satisfaction. Some of you have not learned this. That's why God is the last person that hears about your problems. When you develop what we call, or what we've coined to be called a secret place, the first person that hears of issues you are facing is God. Because you would create an avenue of retreat. Your first response, when things happen, is not, hey, it has happened to me. Mm -mm. It's to retreat. David said, in his presence, there are treasures untold. And the Bible said, I have the presence. So, all of these things he wished for is available. How do I access it? I go into the secret place. I begin to talk to God. I begin to commune with God. I spend time with God. Are you learning something? This is important. It's just like, I, I looked for the best analogy. I didn't have enough time to, you know, come up with a perfect one. But think about this. You can be in the same room with your partner and even though you are in each other's presence, if you don't talk to each other, you can't know each other better. Did you hear what I said? If you don't talk to each other, you can't know each other better. You have the presence of God. He's there. But if you don't bring yourself, take yourself from the distractions of the world and focus there, you can't effectively. Those things will work. There, there are some things that just work for you because you are a believer. But I'm telling you about certain things that you need to spend time with God. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking of it. I said, how do we get ourselves to be conscious of things like the fruit of the Spirit, for example? It takes proper... In the world, is meditation and yoga. For you, it's different. There's somebody waiting there. Amen. <laughs> Don't not be accessing things like that. <laughs> Amen. God is there. That's what happens. For example, you take a scripture and you start to think on it. And ideas that, were, that are not yours just pop in your mind and like, oh my God. You know, we don't, we don't encourage this a lot. But we should. Some of you call it quiet time. Amen. Listen, I'm not even re relegating it. It might be prayer, you are praying there, whatever <laughs> I'm sure 
God directs you when you are there. So I'm not trying to say your quiet time is not about prayer. That's what I'm trying to say. Whatever it is that you are doing there, what, it, what, what I'm talking about is have a time that you retreat. You and God. Amen. You know that thing is called audience of one. Uh-huh. You and, because everything has its place. I've told you about not neglecting the gathering of, of believers, right? That's important. It has its place. But there's also a place of you and your secret place with God. Talking to God. You won't struggle with devotion, you know what I'm telling you. Because you know that, ah, the presence is how I function best. Have you noticed? When you start to do rubbish and you check yourself, you've not prayed. You know what I'm saying, Abby? You've not prayed. You know, there was someone I was discipling in Windsor. Was with me one day. And the customer came up to me and I said, him. I said, bro, better watch it. <laughs> better watch it. As some of you know what I'm talking about, especially people who had a past in the world where you're just coming from there. It happens. The time where you make these mistakes, it's when you've not spent time with God. So, I'm reintroducing you effectively to what we call a secret. If you don't have one, start to be with one. Amen. If you don't have one, do what? Start to build one. God has given you his spirit. But if you cannot engage the presence, ah, the presence can't influence you as it needs to. What did I say? If you can't engage the presence, the presence can't influence you as it needs to. And can I tell you something? The longer you spend in the sacred place, the more time God has to work on you. What did I say? The longer you spend in the secret place, the more time God has to work on you. I thought, you know, you know before I did this teaching, I thought about it. I said, Lord, why else do people not pray? <laughs> why, we've told you all the benefits. Why else do people not pray? And I said, you know what? I, I must teach you presence consciousness. Presence consciousness. Presence consciousness. This is important. What I'm teaching you is how to go about devotion in a way that is not about just instructing you to pray, but it's about intimacy. Are you getting what I'm saying? About what? Intimacy. And this is important. Very, very important. You have a relationship with God. You, you, can't, say you, you can't call someone father and not communicate with him. You can't claim to have a relationship with God and not have a consistent communication and communion with him. It can't, it can't work like that. Amen. It can't work like that. Relationships are built on certain principles. One of them is communication. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's communication. It's communication. David described the presence as also a place of safety. Safety. So you find safety in the secret place. This is important. What I'm teaching you has gone by many names, you know, when different people teach it, but at least you get the idea. Are you learning something? And this idea originates from God himself. His spirit. So, there are great benefits of, of dwelling in the secret place. When we choose to leave behind the world for a moment and focus on spiritual devotion. Are you learning something? No relationship can be stable. Without the following. Number one, and I told you before, communication. Develop consistent communication with God. What did I say? 
develop consistent communication with God. And this is important. Consistent. To the point where you don't feel okay if, if you've not spoken to God. How do people do it? I used to ask myself, people that don't have God, how do they do You enter a whole new year. No plan, no purpose, no prophecy, nothing. <laughs> Amen. Develop a constant communication with God. So he can lead you. Listen, God, uh, that's that song we have. You're more eager to lead me than I want to be led. God is eager to lead you. Are you ready to listen to him? The only way you show it is by having a secret place. Did you hear what I said? The way you show it is by what? Number two, consecration. The outcome of staying long with God is consecration. And consecration is important in this type of relationship. What I'm talking about is a commitment to the other person. Are you seeing what I'm saying? A commitment to the other person. So, if you're going to build yourself as a man consecrated to God, you must be one God can talk to. You must be one, someone that God knows. He knows you through the omnipresent nature, yes. But he wants to know you as someone who brings things to him, who talks to him. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Who talks to him? Someone who he can give visions in the secret place. He can give you blueprints, ideas. He can commit plans to you. He can say, you know what? I trust you. You will do this. Why? Because he has seen how committed you are to him in the secret. Amen. These things don't show just by doing big programs. God will not even commit things that big for you if he cannot trust you in the small. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, it's there that you will hear. It's there that you will hear. Number three, honesty. Honesty. Many of the struggles that people faced in devotion in 2023 is because they felt condemned. They felt far from God. The secret place is your solution to that. Honesty. You know. Bible talks about the effectual fervent and prayer of a righteous man. It says it makes tremendous power available. It says the heartfelt. You know, my pastor would always teach it this way. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Some, of you don't, some people don't know how to do that. You talk to God as an idea instead of as a person. He's a person. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So that's what the secret place does, does for you. There's, there's that honesty. Dad, this is what I'm going through. Sometimes it can be therapeutic. But you know that there's someone at the other end listening. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Dad, this is what I'm going through. And it's hard. It's, some of you have complained to the whole world. Except God. Let him be the first to know. Dad, this is what is going on with me. That this is what happened today. I just need you to intervene. Amen. You see, the fatherhood of God is why I cannot believe what some people say. That God is not interested in some parts of our life. <laughs> There are some things that you, you just tell God, you see, God, this is, this is where I am. This is what I'm struggling with. He'll send you help. Are you getting what I'm saying? Well, if you form, you don't need help. Oh. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Well, God is merciful. Amen? Amen. Number four, consistency. The funniest part about all this principle I gave you now is that it to make, it make a relationship work. It to make a romantic relationship work, sir. <laughs> Think about it now. Communication, consecration, that's commitment to the person. Honesty, consistency. Of you don't call your partners. 
You cannot fathom talking to somebody once every day. Now, some people have changed their faces. <laughs> Amen. These are simple principles that establish relationships. So, you want your work with God to be better? Practice this. Always, see, always make sure you don't miss it. You know, one day, I was supposed to teach a young man something. And he said, ah, sir, I can't do 10. That's when I always have my quiet time. Ah, it hits me. First of all, honor me now, come for the meeting. But I remember that, ah, you respect your time that you set with God so much so. It no matter that it's past the mind. He says, sir, I have my quiet time. Oh, please have that lifestyle. Have that mindset. Don't break it for any reason. If it's nine, tell everybody in your house, please, oh, if you need me to wash, I will wash. If you need me to arrange the roof, I will arrange it now. If you need me to walk, mop the ceiling, I will mop it now. But nine, don't call me, please. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Don't shift that time. And that's important, right? Have a place, have a time for it. That's very important. Have a place. I think when you do something frequently, you have a place. It just becomes, it becomes a habit. So build a habit of it. Go in there. Spend time. Pray. Talk to God. Open your heart to God. I don't want to teach too long today, so I'm, I'm trying to cut it short. Amen. If you go about devotion with a presence consciousness, it will change everything. 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 What are the benefits? Number one, you are strengthened. You are what? Strengthened. Number two, you are directed. You would never lack supernatural leading if you practice this. The secret place. Hi. You will never lack guidance. You know why? A man of the secret place is a man God can call to order. A man of the secret place is a man of humility. A man of the secret place is a man that shows God that God, I can't go if you don't send me. It's almost like them saying, if your presence does not go with us, we go nowhere. Well, you have the presence. But you are saying, Lord, if you don't instruct me, I'm not going anywhere. Are you listening to me? It's the same kind of consciousness. You are directed. Number three, you are comforted. In the secret place. You are what? Comforted. Number four, you're transformed. You are changed. Rise up to your feet. I, I want to give one word. You know, our time is fast spent. Have you learned something? Yeah. Listen. The Lord said to remind you and tell you this. A baby in the secret place is a giant in the world. Never forget. Did you hear what I said? Meaning, that person who can humble himself as a child of God, submitted in the presence of God, it's a giant in the world. I'm telling you. You know, I remember then was something we used to learn. We, we, we learned very early. We made sure that we had a secret place because we heard that ministry without a secret place, if you don't have a secret place, you can't do anything out there. Did you ever hear that? How many of you ever heard that? And we're very conscious of it. So before every time we had an opportunity to minister, we went to cook ourselves with God. We don't even use those words again. Cook. We went to cook ourselves with God. I, I'm, I'm teaching you something that will change your life forever. That if you can stay, everything that you seek through every other thing, you will find through the presence. 
through presence consciousness that I know that in the presence of God, there is joy unspeakable. I'm comforted. There are treasures untold. Please, are you listening to me? Lift up your hands. And what you're going to do is that you're going to, in a way, just tell God that 2024 is a year that is all about you. My walk with you is going to be the most important thing. No distractions. My devotion will be the most important thing to me. So as we sing that song, I just want you to spend a few minutes praying and just declare those words to be true over your life. I will never come to a point where I lose my awe of you, Lord, that all through this coming year, my walk with you is where it needs to be. Can you begin to pray right now?